It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Welcome to Land Sharks After Dark Bear Podcast about the Old Miss Rebels. Got a special roundtable edition for you tonight. Uh, maybe you should call it a crossroads edition. Uh, I feel like we have these, especially after uh, fun losses, that we have lots of people eager to hop on the podcast and uh, share their thoughts. And always happy to have them. You know, if you're a listener of the show and, and you want to join us for a discussion someday, hit us up on Twitter. It's uh, very possible and something we enjoy doing. First, I'm going to introduce my co host, John Stefanzik. Um, with us as always, as well today on the show, we have a recurring guest host. Is this your third time, Wesson? Wesson Dean is with us. You can yes. answer that question. Yes. Wow. So, uh, getting up there as as far as guest co-hosts go. Uh, congratulations on the uh, third appearance, Wesson. Also with us for the first time is a uh, listener and frequent name-checked uh, member of the of the podcast community, Neil McMillan. How you doing today, Neil? Man, it's good to be here. You uh, you finally made it on the show. How's it feel? Um, better than the Vandy game. <laughs> better than the Vandy game. Yeah, so let's like that with that with that transition. Let's get right into it. Um, John, I want to go to you first. Obviously, uh, Ole Miss drops to five and six on the season. Uh, just completely walloped by Vanderbilt. What was that final score? Thirty-eight to fourteen, twenty-one, something like that. Thirty-eight I, I seventeen. Thirty-eight seventeen. What'd you take away from this game, John? So Vandy went on a thirty-eight to seven run in this game. I mean, remember yeah. when Houston Nutt was down thirty to nothing in Nashville five years ago? Remember that? Remember that? I mean, that's I, that's what it felt like. It was like what? I mean, we can sit. I mean, Shea Patterson looked like a freshman. Derek uh, Mason took care of him. It looks like you were not only being polite last week, you were expressing concern. And, all season. Uh, had to be, all season you had to be a saying. good sport. So you were in golf shores receipts. with the girlfriend and her fam. Be the receipts, yeah. And you were having to be a good sport Saturday, it sounds like. Yeah, so. if she's listening, she might know I wasn't really the best sport, so sorry about that, honey. But I, I, I think I was okay. I mean, it was, it was <laughs> tough, obviously. But like I've been saying all season, Vanderbilt – is a really, really well-coached defense. They play hard. They gave Ole Miss problems last year. We knew they weren't going to be scared of Ole Miss by any stretch. Um, they came in. They played sound. Like you said, they they were well aware that Shea was a freshman. They weren't scared of him. I, I, I noticed that they not only took away you know his scrambles for any decent gain, but when he would run and try to bust the play and do the whole Manzo look back and try to find receivers, they weren't breaking down in their assignments. They were keeping their coverage on those guys. I mean, just overall, I, I thought that the Vanderbilt played well. Every facet. I mean, they, they have a great running game as well. We've talked about Ralph Webb on the show. They have a freshman quarterback, but he's been playing all season. Um, actually, he might be a sophomore now. Excuse me, Vandy fans, uh, if, if I got that wrong. But um, it, my, my point is we, can, we can't take anything away from Vanderbilt on this. It was not fluky in any way. They thoroughly beat Ole Miss. And uh, all you can really do after this is – Take away the lessons and get ready for the Egg Bowl coming up. I mean, let's let's go Weston. You talk about the game, and then we'll we'll hear from Neil. He was there in Nashville. 
Well, one the one thing to take away that I have is that I think you know if you go back and look at the Houston Nut game, Vanderbilt pretty much decided his fate. Maybe the maybe this Vanderbilt game now will decide Hugh Freeze's fate, but hopefully it'll be for the better. He won't, you know, he he'll maybe he'll make the staff changes. I think the writing's on the wall. It's just I'm still. I think if we, I think it's good for the program that we lost that game. To be honest with you, because you know now the the changes. I think if we went eight and five and like went to the Birmingham Bowl or Liberty Bowl, he would kind of be he'd be kind of complacent. Like, well, you know, we finally figured it out at the end of the season, and he right. wouldn't really make any changes. And so I mean. Maybe hopefully this loss is for the best. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I feel like I, I find myself saying that after every uh, depressing loss. But hopefully, um, you know, in a couple of years, we can all say it's true. Neil, you're in Nashville. Uh, what was that like? I, obviously, a big old miss crowd there. It looked good on TV. Yeah, it cold as hell, Neil. It it was a great um, it, showing by the Rebs. I mean, the we, road Rebs. We walk in and five minutes before the game, we outnumber Vandy people about. 12 to 1. Um, that seems like an exaggeration, but continue with your not, anecdotal Not evidence. even 100% statistically correct. Um, a quarter <laughs> of the stadium was 65 rows full of Ole Miss people. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were fairly optimistic, and it seemed like... Started off pretty well. Um, Vandy had some of this like memory of losing to Missouri the week before mm-hmm. that kind of started the game off. But once we gave them some uh just kind of think of it like some blood in the water they started smelling yeah that they could do it so we didn't really punch them in the mouth and they punched us and we just totally started taking it and uh it was over at halftime pretty much yeah it was one of those games almost said several this season where they go to the locker room and it, you got that bad feeling in the pit of your stomach you know momentum's not on your side but you think hey Maybe they can make some adjustments in the locker room. Maybe things are going to be different, get a new game plan. And, in fact, it's the opposite, and it just snowballs even further in the second half. LSU and Arkansas are two uh, examples that come to mind in addition to this game, and those are also uh, teams with punishing run games. Uh, you know, I, I can, think can – anybody uh, tell me, Can anybody tell me the, hot, the most points Vanderbilt had scored in a conference game prior to this Saturday? Of all time? No, it was what's the time period? 17 this year? This year, yeah, yeah, yeah. This year. 17, Neil says. Yep, that's correct. Dave Womack gave up 38 points. That's more than double what any other SEC opponent did. And Vanderbilt plays in the East. Hey, John, Vandy did 17 in the third quarter. A nice 17 to nothing shutout of um, the third quarter Rebs, which is mm. my least favorite team. I've ever seen. <laughs> yes. Third quarter rebs. First half rebs are okay, but yeah, I mean, honestly, Vanderbilt's defense looked like good. I, I think you put you put it on Ole Miss's defense, but sorry, I said their defense. I meant their offense. Um, honestly, I, I think they executed really well. Like you said, Shea Patterson played like he is a freshman. Um, I I just don't know, man. There, there's something about this team. Um, I don't know what it is. I don't think that it's impossible for them to be good in the future, these same players, but this season, they're just not there. If you looked at, if, if any of y'all saw C.J. Johnson on Twitter, uh, yep. he was going after some individual players, particularly, I believe, um, a couple of the freshman safeties, uh, Hartsfield and Anderson, some of those guys. I mean, I, I just don't know where you go from here. you got to get a lot better in the offseason. you got to make coaching changes. I don't know what else to say. 
So can Ole Miss high is a good coach going to come to Ole Miss with the whole NCAA investigation thing still ongoing? I don't know. It's a good question. I mean, are, do we think that you know we're quick to blame Freeze for being obstinate when it comes to making staff changes? But I mean, we really don't know how many coaches were willing to come to Ole Miss the last couple of seasons. That's a that's a fair point, John. And I I don't know if it's an actual thing or fan invention, but probably worth considering. Um. Let's see. What else should we talk about from that game, guys? Uh, any uh, positives to take away, Neil? Neil, something? Yeah, I got a player of the game. Okay. And uh, the fan vote would be Carlos Davis. Yes. Because that was the one play a game that we thought something big could happen, and he had some huge He had a returns. couple of big punt returns, although even when, he, even when he makes good plays, I kind of am mad at him when he picks up like a bouncy ball or something. I'm like, God, Carlos, God, Carlos. Oh, I mean, it's, it's still an Ole Miss returner, and I'm, yeah. he's in that tradition of uh, scaring you shitless but well, yeah, he's part of the reason that's the tradition, I'd say. Go on. What was interesting <laughs> is uh, we didn't reward him with any defensive play. Uh-huh. He never got on there, and we were still letting Vandy go Odell Beckham all over us. So, I don't know. No, I, and Vandy receivers did make some sick catches. I mean, they were they were taking care of Shermer on some of those high passes. I, it's just a perfect storm. Perfect storm. Yeah. Well, I mean, my fear was that I th- I've been thinking that probably since after L- watching us lose to LSU because it's like, well, you know, Vandy's not that good, but our run defense is so bad. It's like they had me at linebacker out there, like <laughs> running around with Taylor Polk. You know, I mean. Yeah, let's talk about linebacker because it, in game, the linebacker position, which is already, you know, the, the thinnest on Ole Miss's roster, um, it took a big hit. Uh, probably the biggest momentum shift I've potential momentum shift on one play you could have. But Ole Miss thought that Tony Conner had recovered a fumble for a touchdown, perhaps. Turns out he stepped out of bounds after challenging the play. I believe it was a freeze challenge. It wasn't booth initiated, but it was kind of unclear at the time. But after the challenge, he stepped out of bounds, and also they added a targeting call against the Marcus Gates. What do you guys think about this? John, I'll I'll ask you first. So so did Freeze, like, basically challenge a play and get his own player ejected? I I think so. But at the same time, I I, I don't think that it was the wrong thing to do, given how big of a difference that fumble would have made. It was just bad luck. Honestly, Tony Conner made a dumb mistake. He had no one around him. He could have easily just not stepped on the line when he was going to pick that ball up. I mean... I don't think you can blame Freeze for that, really. He was trying to steal some momentum back for his team. The uh, refs were also blowing the play dead, like yeah, there were even a couple before, of weird ones, yeah, even before he like reached to get the ball. So I feel like that always throws you off mentally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's a good point. Um, but I'll tell you, that's when Vandy fans got smug and cocky. Is when Gates got kicked out. They went nuts, and I was ready to leave, pretty much. Yeah, well, I mean, it's something about uh, winning college football games make fans uh, excited. Well, it was, it was the, the targeting thing because it was just out of left field. Just yeah, but perfect. on the replay, on the replay, it was clear targeting. Uh, I'm a little confused about. It. So, answer me this, John or Wes or Neil: uh, targeting can happen on any player now. Is that how it happens? Because in the past, it had to be a defenseless player, meaning a quarterback or wide receiver trying to make a catch. In the past, a running back, it wasn't possible to target him. But I guess that rule's changed. Yeah, I think it's like whenever you're try- whenever you're going to helmet. Like Anytime you leave with the crown of the helmet, I helmet, think. Helmet. Yeah. 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 
So, I mean, obviously head injuries are a huge issue in football, and I'm not going to knock any rule designed to improve safety, but it's just, it's, there's a lot of moving parts in this whole system where you can review a play and then add on penalty yards and eject players and all this stuff. And the other side of this is it happened very early in the third quarter, meaning DeMarcus Gates is also suspended for the entire first half of the Egg Bowl. Um, it's, a, it's a big blow. It's Ole Miss's best defender that isn't uh, a defensive lineman, and even the defensive linemen have been up and down this year. Um, Fidal got hurt at one point during the game. Does anybody know his status? I know in. he came back in, but I don't know if anybody's heard anything. I, I feel like um, Evan Ingram also, who we'll talk about later in the show as well, after uh, getting stiff today for the John Mackey Award, uh, he seemed to pull his hamstring on a pass that Shea Patterson really should have completed to him in the end zone. Um, he, he needs to work on his accuracy for sure. Although, you know, watching the game early on on that first drive, I was thinking to myself, uh, I think Shea makes better decisions with the ball than Chad did. His accuracy is, is a little off right now, but his decision-making is really good. What do you guys think? He's going to get better, yeah. I, he's really accurate, too. I I don't know. He's He missed a couple of open guys, but, yeah, he, he can be really accurate. I think it's probably a lot of nerves and, you know, just being a freshman yeah. quarterback. He was he's got a, he was he's got a very high ceiling, a very high ceiling. But I don't know if – is he ever going to have a team around him? I yeah, mean, that's, what, I mean, that's the question, right? <laughs> I mean, guys, if Bjork and Freeze fought against the NCAA the way they're fighting against the Mackey Award for Ingram on Twitter right now, this thing would have been over with two years ago. But, <laughs> well said. I mean, I agree. Well, about the, what strikes me about the Chad to Shea comparison, which we'll be making a lot, I'm sure, sure, sure. in the future, is uh, Judd gets passes. And Chad refused to check down, and that was our right. First so touchdown. that's what really made me think. You know, I think he makes that was decisions. an A and M game too, right? Because he he throws his checkdowns uh, a lot more than Chad did, and I, I just I think he has great awareness, um, and I think he's going to get better. But yeah, John, that's the question: Is he going to have the offensive lineman in his tenure? Because I mean, we were banking on some of these guys like Alex Gibbons and and Rod Taylor being developed, and I mean, in the case of Rod Taylor, we expected him to be really good by this point, and he's he's still not there. Uh, we're starting Durante Bolden due to injuries. I mean, I believe in guys like Jordan Sims, and I think Greg Little's going to be a great player, and I, I hope that Bryce Matthews is going gonna, is gonna to be ready to play by next year. But are we ever going to get you know solid SEC offensive line play out of, out of some of these guys that are sophomores and juniors and seniors? Or obviously not the seniors, but I, I, I just don't know. I, I don't know if they're being developed properly. No, we have Coach Luke on the team so we can block a punt against Vanderbilt with Kale. <laughs> sure. Because he sure isn't coaching any of that offensive line stuff. But Judd got some huge runs when we uh, pulled some guards. Yeah. But we decided we don't want to do that. We want to do that. Hey, hey Neil, Neil, stuff. Judd's a mediocre running back. Say it with me. Judd is a mediocre running back. But okay? Judd isn't the problem not the as answer. much as play calling is. What yeah, what plays did disagree. Judd? That's true. That, see, on. that's the problem with this team. You know, Judd like Judd. Is, not, is Judd even a top ten problem on this team? I don't think no, he is. No, he's not. That's pretty amazing statement because he's just, he's an average running back. He's a good kid, but he's if he was your third string running back, we'd feel good right now. But we're asking him to carry the ball twenty times a game. What, uh, so, we're uh, not Raleigh, asking him to Raleigh carry. Raleigh Williams starting and uh, Jordan Wilkins as the backup, and then we'd have Judd as a third string back in an ideal world. You have Swinney, you know, you have Swinney and Riley Williams up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, 
Well, we're not asking him to run 20 times a game. Right, so he, he ran, he what, was 10 times and averaged 6 yards a carry, something like that? Yeah, 6.8. And he ran it. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. The, the, the play calling is still suspect at times. And our line sets up the running backs to fail, like, by being What are you guys, so let's talk about, so play calling, let's, let's have a discussion around this, because this could be a little bit different topic than what you're going to hear in the main. Mainstream uh, Mississippi media this week is going to be talking about the Egg Bowl and both teams are mediocre and the NCAA and then shitting on the Ole Miss defense is easy to do. We've, we've given the Vandy analysis like everybody else has. But let's talk about the offensive side of the ball in the offseason. What, do, what, do, what does Freeze need to do and is it realistic for him to do it? Because he can make a hell – in an ideal world, I think he goes out and hires an OC. But and, is that even on his radar, do we think? Or is that just us hoping as but, fans? But, but, but does the OC coach quarterbacks and basically take over for Warner? Yeah, I do mean, you fire Warner in this, in this scenario? Get Warner to quote-unquote retire? or right. I don't know. But see, I, like, I mean, do you even do that? Because, once again, is it obvious that Werner's the problem? I'm not sure. I mean, Werner was cited by the Patterson family as one of the reasons they chose Ole Miss. I come back yeah. to that. I mean, maybe it's yeah. He's he, he's a, he's a quarterback whisperer, kind of like Dan Mullen is. I mean, he's really good at that position. He was at Miami, you know, in the early two thousands with all those talented players. I can't remember who was the quarterback at Miami in the early two thousands. Uh, Dorsey, Glenn Glenn Dorsey. I can't remember. That sounds right. But I mean, he he's had a pretty good track track record with court. Like it, know, it feels like talent. with. It feels like that Freeze's offense has been boiled down to about twelve plays. Yes, it doesn't. It doesn't adjust at all during the game. They're the best like first drive team ever this year. Right, but they go down the, the field adjusts, like great, but then the screwed. defense adjusts. They never adjust off of that. Has that always been the case? Do we think, or is it really just? Is it more pronounced this year because teams are yeah. figuring it out? I was about or? to say. I mean, is this a product of? Hugh Freeze beat a couple of good teams last year, and now everyone's scheming him specifically, whereas in the past he was just running his high school stuff against uh, base defenses that didn't really, you know, they didn't know exactly what to look out for. I mean, my, my problem with know. the question about the OC is I'm worried that given this team's flaws, Freeze's offense is kind of shirking responsibility in its shortcomings, which I think are present right now. The other side of this, too, is if you're going to more or less replace most of the defensive staff, can you then turn around and can you right. really can you really hire two coordinators in one offseason? Right. In a way, this recruiting class is so effed up that you might as well just go ahead and do it. doesn't really matter, it. yeah. You might as but well that just, just signals, start But it also signals a program, a program and just, like, chaos and free fall in a sense. Yeah, so, but does it really signal it? I, like, I almost think that sending out the signal that you're making radical changes is better than doing nothing after the season that has been panned by every sports it, figure. Yeah, it, re- it really comes down to who who do you hire to fill those spots. If you could go get guys, then you say, okay, now we're, they mean business. They've cleaned, they've drained the swamp of the assistant coaching staff. Yeah. <laughs> And they're going to get some confidence on the sidelines. And then Freeze can just go and make all the boosters feel good and attempt to recruit. And maybe... We can have all the potential coordinators walk in the FedEx Center and walk out and video it and take pictures <laughs> and uh, send cryptic tweets 
that's how you get they talent, take, John. Yeah. No, yeah. they're not going to walk into the FedEx Center. They're going to walk in and out of, uh, what is it, Parish Yates? McDonald's? McDonald's, uh... <laughs> Yeah, we're gonna have um, we're gonna have no, Reagan that's the, Freeze. the burner phones are at McDonald's. The burner phones are at McDonald's. We're gonna have Reagan Freeze uh, tweet out her her jewelry <laughs> that she's wearing after the after the interviews with the potential coordinators. Um, you know who I was, I was thinking about? Uh, Hugh Freeze's offense this year kind of reminds me of Sam Smith a couple uh, a couple of years ago. You know <laughs> the, the pitcher, yeah. Oh, yes, because you know he'll he'll cruise once through the order. Yep, once through the order, and then. Then they figure, okay, well, he's going to throw fastballs on the first two pitches and then try to throw a really bad curveball or a slider on, you know, third time around, and it's not going to sink, so I'm just going to tee off on it. And it's, yep. This is game over. Yep. Sunday win is ours. That's pretty much – that's what I feel like the offense is this year. Yeah, that's a good analogy, I think, for sure. Um, well, I got a question. Yes, go ahead, Neil. Is we're talking about the coordinators – and I agree, Wes, with your point about Dan Warner and quarterbacks because Ole Miss has to have a quarterback to ever be worth anything. But uh, watching the game, I think, like, the real blame is Freeze now because our team doesn't have that uh, killer Freeze instinct. fight yeah, or that killer instinct that we had at the beginning of the kind of, like, we're going to go all out no matter what. But, like, our team quit noticeably. Um, and then that kind of made – us fans there just get really mad. I, I think there are some players that were still playing hard, like your Evan Ingrams, your Isaac Grosses, guys like that. And uh, something on Isaac Gross, just as a sidebar here, I mean, has there ever been a player hyped more by their own fans for no reason? What do you do this year? Uh, get mad and yell on the sidelines and stuff. I mean, I love him as a leader in the locker room. I don't... I think that's Trump. He, he, he was he was he was good as a freshman when there's nobody else on the team. He's, yep. He was good in fourteen. He he was a good change of pace, pass rush, interior D lineman. But I remember as the soon Tennessee game. He blew up the line. But is he for him? I mean, but, is he an every down player? And is he quite the same as he was in the past? Well, that's a, I mean, it seems like Womack's defense isn't that intricate. It's been uh, both. Ole Miss's scheme on both sides of the ball has been has been uncovered and clearly vetted, and yes. they don't have the talent to get away with a base scheme. Like and it's pretty gimmicky out. on both sides of the ball as well. Yeah, I mean, if if I was like a let's just say I was like a really really good defensive coordinator, oh. I mean, if you kind of look at it, Isaac Gross is a linebacker. Yes. He is like the perfect size linebacker. He's big. He's nasty. He's you know. He's a defensive with, uh, end, is what he is. Yeah, yeah, that too. He he's can, a three. He's a three-four rush in. Marquise yeah, Haynes is a linebacker. Yeah, exactly. Like you have him, like you know, like a kind of a CJ Johnson where you know you rush him every now and then, but let, let him go back in coverage and just tell him, hey, it's okay, man. If you get a tarding call, I want you to take everybody's head off. Like, don't make any friends out there. I want you to kill some people. I mean, you got to have that kind of like you know mentality. And man, it's like Marquis Hayes. I mean, he's really good. And he's so athletic, but you know, it's just he's so small at the defense, the weak side defensive yeah. end. I mean, a lot of times, like you know, with those running quarterbacks, it's like with Nick Fitzgerald's this coming up weekend for the Egg Bowl, it's oh, going to be really, really hard to contain him because he's going to run around, and our linebackers are not going to where they need, not going to be where they need to be. We're, we're going to get relfed. Remember '09 when we got relfed? We're going to get yeah. relfed. We're going to get relfed. That's a, I like that. Yeah, we are going to get relfed. Yeah, no, Fitzgerald's going to have, like, at least one 80-yard touchdown. There's going to be a ridiculous amount 
of just WTF plays. I, I think the only silver lining for an Ole Miss fan, looking at what happened to Vanderbilt, looking at this entire season, looking at the Egg Bowl, is I do not think that stage defense is going to give us the problems that Vanderbilt's defense gave us, that Arkansas's defense gave us, LSU's defense it could gave be us. An, it, it should be an entertaining game. It should be an offensive game for sure. Whoever gets, you know, you know what, two or three stops, the most stops I think is going to win. Um, but the problem is our state slayer the last couple of years, Evan Ingram, I don't think he's going to be able to take the top off the defense if he's even playing with that pulled hamstring from the Vanderbilt game. Um, we're going to need guys like Van Jefferson, uh, A.J. Brown perhaps, to, uh, to, to win their battles against very weak defensive backs uh, from Mississippi State. Yeah, I, I mean, I would think AJ Brown need to have a big game, something like this, which he would be motivated to do. Right. The, the best parts of this game are the fact that it's—I think the weather's supposed to be really good. Um, it's two thirty kickoff. Are you, you going to the game, John? Yeah. Nice. I, I'm not going to be in town, but uh, we'll, we'll get to your first-hand report. I, I assume some of you, Neil. You know, no, you're, you're, well, you're not—you're not, not going to be in town. No, no, I'm not. But uh, everybody else. The best else part of the game is going to be the prop that Table Cobbleson and I walk around the Grove with. <laughs> Do you want to you you share with our listeners? We're, we're, we'll let pictures come out from the Grove. Oh, God. Because uh, we'll, uh, <laughs> I don't feel like Unless you really want to get wound up, Sanders. I don't feel like really getting into it right now. I'm guessing, I'm going to guess it is a hat or a banner or something that says, Make Ole Miss Great Again. Uh, no. But I'm close. Ish. Okay. All right. I'll wait. I'll wait. Wait. For one of you is going to dress up as Steve Robertson, right? No. Arm sleeve, fake arm sleeve tattoos. Listening to like pumping out with like a portable boombox, pumping out the uh, Slipknot and Stone Sour. No, nah, man. Steve Robertson has never and will never come to Oxford because he's all talk and he's afraid. Based off Justin's idea, I got to share a quick growth story. So right before yep. the election, I guess it was Auburn game. Yes. Everybody was walking around with their state flag stickers, their state yeah. flags, and all sorts of yep. stuff. And, um, yep. you know, Ole Miss Democrats weren't passing out Hillary stickers, but I was looking for them, and I, I told an old lady I, I liked hers. Go. And she was like, a white boy, you like this? It was great. You know, I totally shocked her. And then I saw this kind of big guy, looked kind of lame, but he had a Hillary sticker on. I go, oh, man, look at your sticker. And he gives me the dirtiest glare and just size, and then I realized he was in pledge attire, and somebody was making him wear Hillary stuff wow. all around the Grove, and I was like, that is good hazing. That's hilarious. He was really <laughs> embarrassed. Okay, everybody check their phone right here. I okay. sent y'all a text. We're going to describe this on a podcast. It's going to be a great pod here. Okay, uh-huh. It's intricate. It's a picture. You see, you see, see uh-huh. so, that, so for our listeners, somebody in Orlando couple weeks before the election created John, the Hillary. On. John, before you start, honestly, this isn't an alt-right podcast, my dude. I just want to let you know, this is not that. You know that, I'm right? going to explain to you what the prop is. I'm, okay. I'm going to explain how we're going to make Ole Miss football great again without That's actually right. having just a Just for the listeners, like, this is John on his own here. This is not uh, Landshark's After Dark. Go we, on, Sanders, we, 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 we've had these discussions. The people know you like Hillary. So, uh, it's not so much I like Hillary yeah. as much as I despise fascism and white nationalism. Continue, sir. <laughs> so we have the Hillary Clinton wheel of shame that somebody created, like mounted on the back of their uh, Silverado 1500 in Orlando. Woo! And it and it's got basically a spin wheel. Think of a basic was it twist, <clears throat> kind of like a twister wheel essentially. 
and you've got different categories that can land on. It you says have Clinton Foundation. Benghazi. It's all emails. <laughs> it's so dumb. <laughs> Please White tell water. me you can freeze his face on one of these and like have the freeze the freeze thing. Damn thing. right we did. We're gonna yes! do that. Called it. Boom. That's what we're gonna do. And <laughs> we're gonna tell have Batoon. Hiring Batoon is on each one of those. No, that'll oh, be good. <laughs> hey, NCAA investigation, uh, FBI investigation. Can you That's put Bjork on there? <laughs> That's the uh, that's the uh, IHL wheel of shame, or is that the uh, what's the Mike? What's that guy's name? Mike Glenn. Uh, Fred Smith. Mike. Mike Glenn oh, yeah. and Archie Manning. That's the other. Oh, the one. guy. Yeah. Yeah. Mike guy. Glenn. Yeah. 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 Wes, you got it. We're gonna have the Hugh Freeze wheel of shame in the Grove on Saturday. No, that'll be great. Yeah, we got to get pictures of that for the uh, episode page for next week. We will. It'll be because because of all the boosters that are freeze apologists at this point. If they start real, you know, with their their players like, wait a minute, this guy is kind of like Hillary in a way. They might actually fire him. We might actually see some real change. I don't think the boosters are going to see that and recognize that it's referencing an obscure like anti-Hillary sign that Barstool retweeted. Well, uh, we're going to uh, we're going to uh, make it obvious for them. Mm. It sounds almost like you're getting off of the, the anti-Hugh Freeze topic and into politics with this sign. John, we're using using people's political views in Mississippi to get what we want to change in the Ole Miss administration. Hugh Freeze getting paid $4.8 million to go 5-7 and seven this season is just atrocious. That's okay, just, hey, so he's let, let's get the official position of John and Table Cobbleson. Should Hugh Freeze be fired? No, he grinds for his state. No, absolutely not. Yes, he should be fired. Wow. He, he Interesting. Wow. Interesting. He can't get rid of the NCAA. He can't recruit anybody this year. His schemes are vanilla. Like we, we could run a more complicated scheme than freeze. That's not even a joke. I mean, it's over. He gave us he he gave us a sugar bowl and then it all blew up on him. So okay. longtime listeners will remember uh, John's apologized to Laramie Tunsil in the past. Robert Kimbici. I'm not saying that's going to happen here. I'm just saying um, we'll see. We'll see. We'll give it a couple years. I think if Freeze makes the changes, we will ride the storm. It will. I, but if he doesn't make the changes, and how, makes- how are the changes going to work with this whole NCAA deal? Somebody like I think that's layout. a great question. It's a great question. It's got to end at some point. <laughs> Well, oh, that's, that's a great theory. That's a great theory. It's got to end. I honestly, I think it'll end by August of next year. Okay, yeah, yeah our team will still be bad. In football. August of next year, you've already basically half screwed up the 2018 recruiting class. So, well, if it's wrapped up in August, you have that whole year to kind of like maybe pick up a little bit of ground and get some decent guys. So you're gonna and throw away recruits. one and a half recruiting classes? I mean, if the alternative is the better than getting old, man. Yeah. I mean, actually, John, honestly, if the alternative is going 5-7 and seven every year and never having the players that we can have to beat Alabama or LSU, then sure, whatever. Like, give us a death penalty, take away two recruit classes, whatever. Here, here's what, like, should we not know, even try? Here, here's what's mind-blowing to look back on, guys, is that look at what's happened. Why the hell did we did, did we not just play Tunzel and say, and, and say kill us to the NCAA? New York. No, I mean because like they, we we would have probably already had to this, this avoid is where, those wins. But you make the point, Neil. Is this is where I can kind of defend Freeze between him, Vitter, and Bjork. I think he's like the least dumb of the three in terms of like this kind of stuff. Bjork can raise money and build buildings, but 
he's terrible. He can't operations. He's terrible. I'm not going to go on the That was Freeze's wins that built those. <laughs> Bjork doesn't do anything except tweet people with the freaking I guess he'll help write a wrestling belt. I mean, hey, Bjork is really good hey, at the responsibility. He did, he did build the pavilion. He gets that. Yep. He built the pavilion. The athletic budget's over $100 million, although a lot of that has to do with changes that would have happened with or without well, him. Well, it has to do with just him not being Pete Boone, to be fair. But, yeah. And also SEC Network stuff that, I mean, money that every SEC school, SEC school gets, regardless. Um, I mean, yeah, honestly, I think Bjork is avoiding scrutiny that he should be facing right now for a lot of this stuff. So you think Free said, we're going to sit Tunsil indefinitely? Or, I mean, who who made that call? No, I think it was... I, I, Freeze has said he, has a, he, he doesn't get answers consistently on where the status is. I, I genuinely believe that. I think they keep Freeze in the dark. Well, yeah, probably for plausible deniability reasons. Something like that, but Bjork... Oh, I don't feel like going to the Bjork tangent, but he... But here's the problem, Neil, is they gave Bjork a promotion. Right, He's a race. chancellor now. And, what did he... and, John, you put all, out a hopeful feeler about Vitter being a um, strong, wise, athletic-carrying chancellor. Well, I, I don't think we that, got that. No. <laughs> well, I don't think Vitter knows very much about sports. And that's probably hey, the way that Hey, he knows a lot about algorithms, work. okay? That's what matters. Good grief. This what what matters. Another algorithm. Another algorithm. Um, yeah, can we do some like Moneyball with uh, our recruiting? Hey, we did it with Marquise Haynes and Evan Ingram, right? Where where are the Marquise Haynes and Evan Ingrams the last couple classes? Oh yeah, we 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 aimed too big and then we missed, so we didn't we didn't. Uh, Marquise, we didn't the only reason we got Marquise Haynes is because, is we because from North UNC Carolina for couldn't take. Yeah, we didn't actually recruit Marquise Haynes right. in a way. Right. Well, that that must have been it. Was that a Tom Allen thing? You think Tom Allen relationship with North Carolina coaches is why? Because he was a yeah. linebackers coach at the time, right? I don't know. Yeah, maybe it was Kiffin. I don't know. So, uh, who 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 on the current coaching staff do we want to? Do, do, what is who's what assistant coaches do we actually think do a good job? Grant Hurd. Eh, he mom. recruits. Grant Hurd's in the NBA. He's a uh, Grant Hurd recruits, but he doesn't coach Ralph. That's Treadwell. He's got like one catch for the year. Yeah. And then, like, you watch our receiver scheme is not complicated. And our guys had 10 drops uh, Saturday night. We went the whole, we went this one without mentioning that. But our best position group, coach, I mean, I our, our best position group was a disgrace on them. Um, our, also, our best position group is less than the sum of their parts when you're looking at their recruiting rankings. They, they don't play as well as they, as they are on paper when it comes to the talent we recruited. My opinion. I mean, every guy on that in that room was a four star or five star. Not arguing with you there. Um, I I don't. Okay, John, to answer your question, I don't think there's any one coach that is irreplaceable. I think it's more a question of, like you asked earlier, how much can you really change in one off season? I mean, geez, after this season, no one comes out looking good, do they? No, I mean, in Werner, maybe because the quarterback play has been. Above average. That's about it. Warner, yeah. The play call, I think we need to know more about how the play calling process works 
in order to really die. Right, I doubt we ever will. Well, John, think about. I mean, how, it, could, uh, it, it could be as simple as freeze just completely yeah. getting out of the way. Right. I'm saying we'll do it, but I don't know. We'll see. Sorry. So, so, John, think about how like the first three years under freeze went when he was calling all the plays, and then we would have all these inexplicable. I remember. I remember the. And, I remember Bo uh, Chernobling it in Tiger Stadium. Yeah, I remember exactly. Arkansas whipping us. Uh, so, yeah. so, like, when Freeze was in charge, we kept making these boneheaded gimmicks and then uh, just kind of, like, you know, undisciplined stuff, like just quitting on either the run or quitting on the pass or whatever. Right. And then we switched over to Warner and started – with Tunsil started smoking last year. And I swear this year it looks like Freeze is back in charge, and he – yeah, he hasn't I, said he isn't. I think you might have. And a point. it actually looks like, like the third quarter of, I'm going to get scared. I'm just going to throw the ball because our one on ones can bail us out. That's like his I, I completely agree. That's his I, it does look like Freeze is calling. It's Freeze uptight about the season, getting possessive and calling plays and, and hurting himself. See, that's what that's what I was trying to say. Hundred percent agree. Uh, uh yeah. Because that, that's if you're not you gonna, if you're not running. gonna let if you're not gonna let Warner call plays, then why is he on your staff? Right, right. So and then Freeze gets credit for quarterback development, but it it may just be Warner. So yeah, I mean, okay, Freeze has gotten some big fish that no coach at Ole Miss has ever gotten before, and I'm not just talking about 2013. I'm talking about. Greg Little, Shea Patterson, Deontay Anderson, AJ Jones, DK Metcalf. What? Benito Jones is a damn good. Benito Jones. Benito is really good. Okay, okay. Timeout though. I think Benito was coming to Ole Miss for several years, probably regardless of who the coach was. I think that was a little uh, cough, cough network. uh, You know, strong, strong in. What's it called? Where he's from? All that stuff. But I, I think like going out and getting a guy like Shea Patterson. You started recruiting him when he was a sophomore. Um, basically, convinced him as a junior to come to your school. I mean, he has qualities that are valued in a coach. I think the pro- the question is, is he mature enough intellectually to know, uh, you know, what he isn't good at and when he needs to step away? And I just don't know. Yeah, that's what we're, we're going to know by December 1st. I mean, we're going to know in the next 10 days. Yeah. What do you guys think? There was, go on. Go on. There was, uh, there was some rumors floating around, or some, there was some smoke apparently that we were going to hire Melvin Smith to yeah. coach cornerbacks. Yeah. Or, yeah, I think that's his name, Melvin Smith. Yeah, he's an old, rumor, uh, yeah. old bag man from Auburn. Yeah, and I mean, apparently he's a pretty good coach. I was reading some of his stuff. I mean, he seems like a pretty solid, like, just – not outside of recruiting, like a football coach. I mean, he's really good at coaching cornerbacks. I mean, I'd welcome it. I'd, I'd welcome any staff change at this point, wouldn't you? I mean, there's nothing that I would be upset yeah. about. There's, I mean, even Werner, I could, I would say, well, maybe this means the play calling is going to get better. I don't know. Any staff change, like big, some like big staff changes, would give me a little bit of hope. Literally <laughs> any staff change above the graduate assistant level. And so, I'm yes. Really good about it. <laughs> So who's in charge of subbing defensive players in and out? Because that's what everybody sitting by me at the Vandy game was confused about. Because I think probably Womack, right? Is it is it Womack from up top calling down 
Because what do you guys think about that? Who do you, who do you think is is? I, I think Chris Kiffin independently rotates his D line. Right. Okay. I agree with that. But is that was that what you were asking about? You know, you're asking no, about DBs and the, corners the, and linebackers. That's actually a great great distinction. So the D line seems to have some rationale, like right players down go in for a series, yeah, players yeah. go in for third down. But what we noticed was we would send out. We would take Coney Connor out every other play. Okay, I think that's about durability. Well, okay. Because um, I've noticed that too, and I, I think that they've identified some weaknesses in his game. We would also take a, another defensive back and another linebacker, and they would go out with like 15 seconds already to get there. Right. But Vandy would snap the ball within a second of them like squatting yeah, down. Yeah. So I don't know how that – I feel like that really contributed to a lot of bust – Especially later on the game, because they were literally doing thirty-yard sprints before each play, right? Like three or four players, it's and it. it didn't seem. It just seemed they would be like, "All right, Polk, go go this time." My my I, guess I my guess is that it, if it's not fatigue related, they're probably pulling players that busted the play before, or they just didn't like some part of what they were doing. And it's, I think it's a fine line because, you know, how do you get better results out of your players if they don't think they're going to get pulled if they make a mistake? But at the same time, do we have enough players, you know, to have a serviceable second team or third team? And at the position of linebacker, for instance, if you pull every player that misses an assignment, uh, I mean, who's left at the end of the day? Taylor Polk? I mean, it, it's it's I don't know. It's a, it's a tough dilemma right now for the defense. They have a lot of questions to answer, uh, not just in Mississippi State, but obviously in the offseason. But it seems like chaos looking at it. That's a good point. Damn, have you guys have you guys seen the line for this game? It's open that Ole Miss minus seven point five, right? How in the hell are we a touchdown favorite? We're at home, and Freeze has played really well against Mullen historically, three and one, and even the one sixty-eight and a half is the over. Ooh, that is a lot of points. Yeah, Um, that's a lot. That's a big one. I don't know what I'd do with that. I don't know what I'd do with either of those lines. I don't like either one of them for if you're trying to bet and win money. Yeah, I agree. I think Vegas did a good job with this. Yeah, I, I want to move on to more football topics because there are a lot of them, and we're we're getting on in the show here. Um, yeah, I, I think we should talk about Barney Farrar being placed on administrative leave. Although I don't think we're gonna you know say a lot of new stuff that we haven't already said in this discussion. It's obviously part of the ongoing NCAA uh, investigation. You, you know, um, casual followers of this investigation will remember. The draft night debacle and uh, Barney was named in the text um, sent between John Miller and Laramie Tunsil. I think it. What do you What do you guys think about the fact that John Miller, as far as we know, is still on staff at Ole Miss? I, I'm not sure how to interpret that when Farrar is gone. Something tells me that the NCAA has it out for Barney because they were embarrassed with his text messages, but they weren't actually able to find anything in that particular situation. It's more like. They asked some of these players in these immunity interviews. Guys like Leo Lewis and Jeffrey Simmons were 100% recruited by Barney Farrar. I think it's something more along those lines. What have you guys heard or what are your thoughts about uh, what this might mean for the investigation? What? When does. Go ahead, Wes. Go ahead. Um, I, was, I was hearing and reading that, um, that the NCAA found the burner phone yeah. that Barney used with Leo. But it didn't they have found, any text. Did they find anything. Leo's burner phone or the one that Barney was using? The one that Barney was using. How the hell did they find that? I'm as mad as John is right now. That's ridiculous. If true, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> turned him in. That's insane. Why do you own a I burner they, phone I that can be found? 
We're going to put burner phones on the wheel of shame. You should. Exemplary well, cooperation, exemplary cooperation, Johnny. Put that on there too. <laughs> Well, they, they interviewed Lee Lewis for Immunity, and they like he's like, oh yeah, I had this Bernie phone, like the special you know burner yeah, phone that I was talking phone. to Barney with, you know. But apparently, it, what I was reading, the rumors were that in on the phone itself there wasn't any smoking gun; it was just right. just the burner phone so, that they used and, for the recruitment. And that that makes sense if that leads to Barney being terminated. Although maybe good news on the whole for Ole Miss. Although at the same time. Um, no Barney means uh, no Markel Winters. It means no Willie Gay. I mean, okay, so let's talk about this. The, the Leo Lewis thing, the immunity interviews, it's all part of it. It's so obvious that there's there's more going on here than just Ole Miss cheating, right? So Ole Miss is supposedly offering to pay all these guys that don't sign with Ole Miss. Barney gets fired and they decommit. I mean... I just I don't understand how the NCAA can pick and choose schools to investigate using evidence from players to other schools. It just doesn't make logical sense. Because uh, there's no there's no actual legal. It doesn't matter if it's fair or not. Yeah, is the bottom line. It's a corrupt joke of an organization, and Ole Miss for whatever reason isn't intelligent enough to to go fight this. If they go fight this in the court of public opinion, they win by well, John, a landslide. I think it's interesting you say that because I was just thinking to myself, I think a, a lot of this this hate from the NCAA was probably brought on ourselves with the cockiness back in 2012 and the freeze tweet and Bjork sta- being standoffish and all that stuff. I mean, and then you add into that, you know, upsetting the apple cart with some of the wins in the last couple of years. And I think, I mean, we talked about it in the past on the show that Ole Miss got too big for its britches in the view of the NCAA. Um, and when you piss off schools like Georgia, Alabama, Michigan, and recruiting. Florida State. Florida State. It, it's just every one of those is one less powerful NCAA member that gives a shit if, if they target you or not, you know? At this point, it's almost like the only way Ole Miss can win is in court. If you're the NCAA, you're looking at Ole Miss going, you haven't fired anybody. In fact, you gave your coach $5 million a year. And right. you promoted so John, your guess, athletic, and you promoted the athletic director. Of I guess my point is fighting the NCAA is what pisses them off more. I mean, like you, I think that we did that in the beginning, acted like we had nothing to hide, that we recruited all clean, and that you know, Ole Miss was – Above that, and it was just about you know good, clean Christian fun. I, it's I'm like Ole Miss is going on business. What? It's like Ole Miss is going on business as usual. Yet the NCAA is still in town. They don't realize it. I mean, how do you? Somebody's got to get fired to make the NCAA happy. You yeah, know? I mean I think, Alabama threw Bo Davis to the wolves. Well, because Mississippi, of Mississippi State, Mississippi State, State threw that. Bill Davis to the Wolves, and then Nick Saban. And Mississippi uh, State also threw Barty Farrar to the Wolves too. True, uh, Nick Saban. So Nick Saban got his hates revenge Dan Mullen on Dan Mullen State for that. because of that. Oh yeah, we saw that in That's, the Alabama State game. Absolutely. There's an unspoken thing, you know, Alabama. They're not going to try to do anything they can to bring down their biggest rival, like by getting them investigated by NCAA. That's not how they do it. No. They're going to go in, you they know, win on the field. Alabama wins the on the field. Yeah. This, I mean, they're not they're not going to stoop so low to try to ruin you know ruin somebody. They're going to beat you on the field like fair and square. Alabama does off the field stuff to protect themselves, but when it comes to taking it out on other teams, yeah, they most they never they never do that. Satan would never do that. Yeah, they they. So, so, so why is Greg Sankey letting this happen? Because he's a cuck. I mean, Greg Sankey is not in any sort of authoritative position in this conference, higher right. than a Nick Saban. 
even like a Gus Malzahn is is probably more influential around the SEC than just you know what Sankey wants to do. I just don't think he's respected by ads and coaches. And that's that's a huge point because this doesn't happen under Slive, right? Quite like that happens. And then one thing I keep seeing all these Ole Miss analysts go is they go, well, once once everything is shown. All the nation will be really troubled by how Ole Miss was treated for mm-hmm. letting someone sleep on a couch. Right. And that, like, assumes that there's, like, logic and, like, empathy. Right, college football fans don't give a shit. But there is a... I mean, just... John, you probably recognize this living up in the Northeast. Anybody who does care about college football outside the South has listened for the past decade to people go, SEC, SEC, right. SEC, SEC. They're not crying for Every us. Every stupid little... Win whether it's baseball or whatever. Yep. I hate that chant. And guess what? It just means more. They are happy. It just God. It just means more. They're really happy to um, say, "Well, Ole Miss, whatever. They got screwed. I knew it. It's well, like it's confirmation bias. Well, it's it's so many different things. People love to see cheaters get punished, you know, real or perceived, uh, and people love to. Get extrajudicial revenge against people that have that have beaten them in any way, whether it's recruiting, whether it's on the field, whatever. Um, I, I just think it's a perfect storm of other college fans not crying for Ole Miss, and that's why I say, you know, the only the only justice Ole Miss is going to get will likely come in court if they are to get justice. But who knows? Who knows? Barney Ferrara is supposed to go with meet with the NCAA today, but it was quote unquote canceled. Really? What's the, is that from? Uh, Ole Miss Spirit, or what's the source on that? If you don't mind me asking. Roundsville reported uh, that. I think Ole Miss Spirit, because yeah. Chuck Roundsville reported it first, and yeah. then Rebel Growth. Interesting. He was supposed to meet with the NCAA today, and it was canceled. What, like an interview, or for some sort of like a... What What was the context given for it? Because Yanti was out on Twitter uh, defending Ole Miss and saying that basically the Leo Lewis thing, and that it was baseless, all of that. But I didn't read any more reporting on it today. There wasn't really any context given. They just said he was supposed to meet the NCAA today. And hmm. not, that's it. I mean, it was just like, okay, then it was the meeting was canceled. I saw it. The, what the news said. I mean, it was pretty, uh, hmm. pretty vague. It was almost like they set up the meeting. The see Ole Miss responded. Almost put someone leaving. They go, ah, we got Ole Miss to do that too. Okay, don't worry about it. Yeah, I mean, because <laughs> you can't re- punishment continues. You yeah. can't reinstate a person. What do you think, John? Sorry, I was reading emails. What's the topic here? <laughs> no, you're good. I mean, that's where we're at this season, man. That's how we all feel. That's where about we're this. at this season. Just get, feed me the topic. What Think about, about if Barney I mean, sent an email. That would have been so bad. And Neil's, Neil's saying that. Oh, you, you, I missed out on an email. No, you, you didn't. You didn't. Neil's saying that by scheduling a meeting with Barney and getting him placed on leave, the NCAA is just continuing You know their, their fear campaign against Ole Miss where they're punishing Ole Miss outside of just the allegations and the hearings and all of that. They're using the unknown to punish Ole Miss. Yeah, because so they had they couldn't really. I mean, I don't know this, but they couldn't really. <laughs> That's point, what this podcast is for. Speculate, my friend. They couldn't really. They knew Barney was involved, so they decided to schedule a meeting. Ole Miss basically admits he's guilty, you know, by finally saying, "Up, oh, we're going to put him on leave." Because you know we couldn't fire him earlier. We're going to put him on leave in the middle of the season. Oh, it's exemplary cooperation to put him on leave. That's part of the deal. Yeah. And uh, John, then, hold on, John. You're playing both sides here because you just said part of the problem was Ole Miss hadn't fired anybody, and then we start firing somebody, and you say we're cooperating too much. I mean, it's that's the problem with this whole situation. I'm making is, fun of Bjork's dumbass logic Bjork is. here. This is, no. this is how Bjork manages. You're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. Do 
I'm As not people were York. saying earlier, like when when they were, oh, you know, Barney Ferrara's trying to speculate to leave, and I can somebody I maybe read on Twitter and it's like, oh, well, you know, it's all right, like you know, let's let it play out. It's like when is someone ever been put on administrative leave and they get their job back? Yeah, only if only if they're like a cop that that shot an unarmed black man or something like that. That's the only situation that would happen. Then they get a GoFundMe. GoFundMe for Barney Farrar. <laughs> oh, we should. We should start a GoFundMe to save Barney. And then uh, we should oh, take... oh, hold on. Barney Lives Matter? Anybody? <laughs> Is it too much? Yes. Is that too much? And then we should take the money from the GoFundMe and uh, start it. Giving it to recruits. <laughs> that is, yeah, that, I was it's what to say, Barney would have wanted. In my spare time. It's what Barney would have wanted. Um, I'll, I'll be, I'll be the ambassador for junior college relations. You know, for the podcast too. Yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, perfect, <laughs> perfect. Um, let's let's move on. I mean, we could bog down on these topics all day. We've literally bogged down on these topics for two years. So let's talk about a little bit uh, other stuff going on in the football world. Um, how fired is Charlie Strong on a scale of 1 to 10? John, you first. He's fired. He's a good coach. Texas is a complete train wreck of a program because they can't get out of their own way. They live in their – they got their safe space in Austin and Travis County. Don't know what they're doing. I hope Charlie goes and takes, like, the NC State job and goes, like, 9-3 and three next year. In an ideal world, he would come be our defensive coordinator, but right. he's got a white wife, and that, I mean, just to be blunt, Oxford's not going to go for that. All right, John, so. I like it. I I, I like the. Uh... And, and if you think I'm being ridiculous, that's that that, that no. has happened before. They gave Charlie crap. That's just, like, no, uh, I don't think you're being ridiculous. I think you're being insightful. Um, I, I think you're probably right that that would work against him when it comes to uh, Ole Miss. Sadly, good old boy. Plus, he, he coached at Ole Miss like back in the nineties with Brewer, and he just didn't. Back then, he was like, really? nah. I'm yeah, he did. Really? He coached wide receivers for a season, I think. Cool. That. Podcast historian. Yeah, um, yes, but apparently there was some like – one of my dad's really good friends was like a grad assistant for Billy Brewer back in the day. and He just said there was some like maybe racial disagreement or something. I don't know. Maybe it's because it's – oh, he had a – God forbid, he had a white wife. I don't know. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I, I think sadly. Something really stupid. That hey. is something that factors into stuff at Ole Miss still. I mean, you know, we're, we're not there yet. Um, I guess what is Texas going all in on Herman, right? I mean, who is their backup even? So, so here's. Okay. Oh, so, so let's follow through the uh, coaching wheel here now. Yes. Charlie's fired. Texas is going all in on Herman. They're, they're going to get him. Oh, we should also mention Florida beat LSU, so Ordron's definitely not getting that job. Go on. Yeah, I thought exactly. Strong was considered to be fired Exa- already, right? Yes. Yeah, he It was is. already reported yeah. that he was fired. Yeah, Wes, okay. that was two steps ago in the wheel. Yeah, you can get the speed here. So, <laughs> well, you said Matt, we, this, the question opened with what he, the probability of him being fired. but They're not going to tell him until after the he's already He's game. already fired. I don't care if it's official or not, he's fired. The, the Texas coach cannot lose to one in nine Kansas and keep his job. That is yeah. Hey, Kansas uniforms Saturday were sick. I they watched were. like two seconds of the game. But see, that's Those the thing awesome about jerseys. Kansas. It's supposed to just be their uniforms. They're not any good. Like, you're not supposed to look good besides the uniforms. Yeah. Um, anyway, so who? Yeah, so to get to so, get exactly where you were going, Justin Orgeron lost. If you put somebody like in a time, if somebody had like been in a coma for a year, mm-hmm. woke up and watched the last minute of the LSU Florida game, they would have been like, "Well, Les Miles did it again." Yep. Oh wait, he's not. They it was literally the most Les Miles thing you've ever seen. Yep. Orgeron's not getting that job. 
Who does LSU go hire now? Jimbo Fisher. I'm about to say, if if Jimbo Fisher's Miss, not going. Besides Jimbo Fisher. If you're Ole Miss, you hope that Jimbo's not going because Fisher at LSU would be a huge obstacle to getting canmakers. Which, given all the shit that's going on, is still a very real possibility right now per a lot of people. So if it's not Jimbo, which we know is going to be their top choice, let's say he says, you know what? What about Dabo? Why would Dabo take that job? Dabo's not taking that job. Yeah, I mean, Dabo's waiting for Saban's job, from what I've heard. Dabo's not taking that job. So. Uh, Okay, so what about... Well, yeah, Beal. I, I would go Bielema. hire Bielema from Arkansas. I think Bielema with that much talent recruit too would do really well. Yeah, that that would be interesting. Um, and he would he would, he would bail. On that but job. like, but okay, before Orgeron was installed as interim, uh, the, the the everyone said that LSU wanted to go get an offensive guy. Like, they, if you hire Bielema, you're hiring younger, less miles, aren't you? I mean, when it comes to scheme. No, Bielema's Bielema's a good coach. But I'm, like, but you're not getting away from the power running or anything. I mean, maybe you shouldn't, but I thought LSU wanted to start using their receivers more. Or if you, or do you just load up and go get Chip Kelly? Yeah, I mean, try to make a, a home run higher like that. Sure, uh, why not bring Saban back? I mean, Chip Kelly's offense, and then like keep Aranda's DC. That seems pretty good. What about John Gruden? Who do you think goes to Oregon? At the end of this year, uh, yeah. Who's the? What about um? What about the Washington coach? No, uh, Peterson. Peterson's his kid has a uh, like special ailment, and yeah. they need um and he needs care. Like Washington has the medical center for it and everything. Boise right. had one too. The only reason he left Boise because he could because of a, keep make, make, keep his family matter like um you know have the right support and resources for that. Gotcha. So what you're saying what is, if, hey, what if Phil Knight threw, what if Phil Knight threw twelve million dollars a year at Nick Saban? I don't think Nick he, Saban. I don't think he would. I think that he would play that and get a raise at Alabama. But I just don't know. I mean, does Saban really want to start over building his complete control that he has over the entire state of Alabama and University of Alabama system? I don't know. Why? I mean, why do it? You can win the national championship every other year at worst. In the situation he's in right now, right? Yeah. So kind of to backtrack to like Texas, this like Herman is a foregone conclusion, I guess, and it probably is. But what if Herman is outmaneuvering Texas and getting them to fire their coach, and then sticking with Houston and just getting all the recruits? <laughs> I would enjoy that. Or I mean, if he just lets Texas fire their guy, turns him down, and goes to LSU. Either way, I would love to see Herman screw Texas because I think Herman's going to get at least die. six and a half. Herman's going to get at least six and a half million dollars from Texas. Yeah, and I think Houston's really good and Herman's a really good coach, but I think Herman's also a potential Charlie Strong type. Like he's really good at the level he's at, and then the expectations just are crippling at the next. Oh, level. I don't we'll think see. it's automatic that he really goes that he goes and wins. There's a lot of question marks. That's the problem with LSU and Texas and all these jobs is they expect immediate results, but there's not a path for immediate results, even if you're a really good coach. Look at Charlie Strong, like we just said. Um, so, what's going to happen? You already talked about Herman. I mean, it's, this is a really good year for some of those young guys, like uh, like a PJ Fleck and stuff, right? Because even if they get passed over for the big name jobs, they're going to get one of those positions that comes open for the person that they hired the big name job. Somebody like him is going to end up. Um, 
I'm guessing in a in a P5 at least. I mean, I don't know why I bring up PJ Fleck. I just like Western Michigan, row the boat, and all that stuff. Um, it's just too much. There's too many question marks. I guess to get into it. Would any would any LSU or Texas consider Petrina? No. They I think should. Yeah, we got a situation there. It works for him. Um, let's talk about the Apple Cup, Neil. Uh, I know you're a Huskies fan your whole your whole life, right? I mean, um, not 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 no. It's a, it's a joke. It's a joke. But <laughs> after this whole miss season, I would claim to be a Huskies fan my whole life. It's funny. I grew up pulling for Joey Harrington in Oregon, and uh, that's the thing about the Apple Cup, which is Wazoo versus Washington. Is that really? It's kind of like Ole Miss, LSU, and State. When Ole Miss is good, that we pretend that LSU's our rival, but it's really State. And so it's the same type of dynamic where right. Wazoo is supposed to be the little brother you never think about and always beat, and they never wear their colors for the next three months. But um, So it's very comparable, but um, you will see. I like that. You will see in the Apple Cup, uh, right down two NFL quarterbacks, Neither one of them, I think, are tall enough to be um, prototype, you know, high draft picks. But Jake right. Browning and Luke Falk, they're kind of like Drew Brees, you know, Russell Wilson. You know, you can be six foot one and make it if you're right. really accurate and really can toss the rock and really cerebral. Right away. And uh, yeah. it might, you know, this is a year that really there's not that many great quarterbacks in the whole country, to be honest. I mean, sheer number-wise, and these might be two of the best quarterbacks you see. Um, but I like if this was if this game was at home, like last year, uh, UW won like forty-two to seven off like seven turnovers. But yeah, this is an away game, and it's Wazoo's year. The Wazoo's playing well, right? They are. So they're both seven to win the Pac-12. Wow. Wazoo just lost to Colorado, which is right. It's great, you know, that you legalize marijuana, your football team gets good in the NFL and in college. It's awesome. Masseuse well, should take Col- it. Those aren't good. Colorado-Wazoo game was closed. Wazoo had the ball at 14-7 in the second quarter. Falk throws one in the corner of the end zone. And Gabe Marks, who's got like 300 catches, all-time leading receiver in the Pac-12, just drops it. Yikes. Just straight drop the football. They don't. Uh, they end up going for it on fourth down at 35. Don't get it. Next series, uh, they've got third and six, corner blitz on the quarterback. Wazoo's got the guy in the backfield. Uh, what's this, the Samoan QB for Colorado? Spins and gets out of it, scores the first down, goes down, ties the game. But that was the game in a sense because Wazoo goes up twenty-one-seven. They're going to be tough to come back on them, but Colorado won down the second half. So, Neil, we should make a bet on this because Leach is my boy. Yeah, and the uh, thing is, is what I was saying when I'm thinking this, and I'm happy to make a bet. Because um, I'm always a homer and always an optimist, but are you gonna be an auction fryer? It really fits. It really fits Leach this year. I, I think like ruining uh, UW's best season in forever. Yeah, that's motivation. Would real would really fit. Because um, Washington's two different states. First off, there's you know us Seattle libtards, <laughs> and these California kids who play for Washington, and then there's all the you know salt of the earth real Americans playing for Wazoo, you know, all the all the three-star grinders. And, uh, you know, we'll see. Um, the and, th- and those are two good coaches, too. So, I don't know. Weston, do you have any yeah. thoughts about this game? 
No, I mean, I, I you know don't you know I keep up with it you know because you went to you know Washington which is pretty cool and everything but it's like I just I mean I'm not gonna lose sleep whoever wins or loses I mean I don't have I don't I wouldn't have as much invested in it as you know you would but I mean I, I think Mike Leach Mike Leach is like one of the funniest coaches oh yeah ever I, I just I I love all his quotes like he calls dual threat QBs QBs that can't really pass I mean right. like stuff like that I don't know it's just he's pretty he's pretty like funny plus you know there's a friend of the podcast Austin Miller and his story which you know maybe that's another story for another day but involving Mike Leach but uh you know yeah I forgot about that yeah it's like one of the greatest stories ever anyway Mike Leach so yeah the other thing Wazoo did not have Falk in this game last year they had their backup quarterback that's right what's the what's the line on this thing you think it's Washington minus six or something is it in Seattle? No, it's, it's in, in Pullman. Uh, yeah, Pullman. Okay. Leach, Leach is playing at home to win the division. I mean, in Washington, saying it basically winner wins the division. Be should be game. a good game. I think Wazoo should be able to stick around. Um, Washington, top to bottom, is probably a little more talented. Yeah, good call, John. I Wazoo. got it minus six, Washington, on my book. I think what fits in the. I'm trying to think of like. Because it seems like most of the motivation is on the Wazoo side, right? But these, this like um, the college football playoff and all these, you know, pro Big Ten rankings might motivate Washington. Washington, because yeah. they feel that's their that's the one area where they feel slighted. I would have to think. What? That, where are they in the last playoff ranking? They're six. Um, but you know, Louisville lost, right? And then, you know, they. They know they're going to play either USC or Colorado again in the championship, so they they can get in. But there's a big uh, Pac-12 versus everybody else because you know everybody goes to sleep when the Pac-12 is playing and East Coast West Coast bias. So I don't know. I don't know if I really don't know how the college football playoff affects how teams use that to motivate, other than like you should win. But who knows? Right. I mean. Yeah, it definitely gonna be a game to watch. Um, I guess go on. Go both on. those teams would beat the crap out of Louisville, and then Louisville, you know, I mean they lost this week, but so there is there's some legitimacy to that. Hey, do we want to do egg bowl predictions and then preview and then talk about this basketball team? Yeah, no, I want to talk about basketball because we're running into the end of the old Miss or the beginning of the old Miss game here. Um, egg bowl predictions. I mean, I. I hope we'll miss wins. I, I don't. I think we we gave a good idea of why we think the game is going to go. I think we all think there's a there's a good chance of a, of a shootout. I think Fitzgerald's going to break some long runs. I think uh, we're going to have some long passes against their bad DBs. But beyond that, I, I I'm not going to predict an outcome. I, I think we're at home. We should play better. I mean, if anybody that wants to can make a prediction now. Thirty-eight, thirty-one, Mississippi State. Oof. All right, nice reverse jinx there, Wesson. I think um, it's... Because oh, Fitzgerald will run, run us to death. I mean... It's, I agree with that. Majeo will be running for his life. <laughs> Poor Majeo. Rumble Majeo. Trying to... Trying yeah, to I think... I think it's a bad matchup for both defenses. Yeah. 35-34 Th- state. <laughs> wow. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm picking Ole Miss to win is my prediction for sure. I mean... We saw what Stringfellow could do to those DBs last year. I think it's a blowout either way. One team's going to quit, and uh, Ole Miss hasn't really punched back very much, so hopefully we get a punch first 
and say quits first. Um, I, I guess I, I guess, actually don't think I guess Ole Miss, Miss wins. will quit with Shea as the quarterback. I mean, I, I think you saw that Shea's going to keep trying late in the game, assuming you're within a couple of scores. I just don't know. I, I do think that Vanderbilt's defensive line gave Ole Miss more problems than State is going to. State has good defensive linemen. They're not that fast. I think Shea's going to be able to run away from them. And I think when Shea scrambles in this game and breaks a play, there there are going to be open receivers, unlike that Vanderbilt game, just given – the poor quality of State's defensive back play. We'll see. You know, as I think about the, I'm going to change my pick. Home field's going to, home field probably decides this game. Well, especially if Shea was having to play on the road with the Cowbells. I mean, that would be a big factor, I'd say. But let's see. Ole Miss wins 45-35. I'll go that high. Okay. All right, we'll see. I think we made it clear. Let's let's talk about Ole Miss basketball right now. Four and zero. I think number nine in the way, way, way too early RPIs. Uh, got a shot tonight against number one in those early RPI. Uh, Creighton um, knocked off what we think will probably be a tournament team in St. Joe's last night. This is all taking place in the, uh, the Paradise Jam tournament down in the U.S. Virgin Islands. Actually ordered the channel tonight so that uh, Neil and I can watch this game here in Madison. Um, I don't know if y'all have been watching any of the games, but there's like a, a nice little tropical themed bar on the floor of the uh, of the island arena. So like that that was fun. They had like rum drinks and whatnot. I just saw it on TV. So yeah, hopefully yeah. It's awesome. some old Miss fans down there having a good time. Um, did you guys watch any of these games? I mean, the, the team is like we talked about last week, making some dumb mistakes, but the potential is definitely there for a tournament team. I watched most of the uh, semi game against St. Joe's. It's an athletic team that can score. Burnett had 41 in the opening game against Oral Roberts. Yeah, that's wild. Uh, a lot of, lot of three-point shooting ability. The best three-point shooting team AK has ever had. Um, and they've got a rotation of three guys down low with Hyman, Saeed being the anchor, and uh, Eustace. I'm not even going to try yeah, to say his last Eustace name. Eustace from the, uh, um, They need Sillins to develop into a fourth guy that can give them, say, eight minutes a game. Yeah. They'll be really good there. If Terrence Davis Otherwise, can keep the, the backcourt. Ter- Terrence the Davis bench. is ex- Davis Burnett, and the the key, the two key things for this team to develop going forward is Colin Neal's got to not turn. They've got to reduce turnovers. Colin Neal needs to settle into the point guard position. He's probably more of a two guard, but he needs. Yeah. You know, if he can settle into a, a quality point guard that takes care of the ball, and then Sillins being the fourth big guy, if those can happen. Team can really they can make some noise. I, I mean, think the they SEC can score. Is, is fairly weak as well. I think I think this yeah. team fits what AK wants in a basketball team more yes. so than any other one he's ever had. I agree. He wants them to play hard and get boards, and then he wants them to shoot threes. And they can they can do both those things when they're playing at their peak, especially Saez and uh, and Eustace. I mean, they're the scrappy guys down low that can kind of drive the entire team if they're not in foul trouble, which is going to be a factor. Um, just given the way college officiating is right now. Um, I, what, I mean, do you, do you guys What's think, their free throw percentage so far? I mean, I'm presenting. I think a little bit below where it's been the last couple of years, but I mean, it's early. Um, Saez and Burnett are making their free throws. Yeah, I was about to say. Those are the, those are the ones who will be getting them at the end of yeah. the games. Yeah. Um, one thing I was thinking about is the contrast of how our football coach and basketball coach use the Caribbean. 
So Freeze yeah. uses poor Haiti <laughs> to convert thugs and misbehaving pot smokers into Christian men. And sometimes we win games, sometimes we don't. So Kennedy, we've got Hugh, Free- Hugh Kennedy, Freeze's delusional PR, and then we have Andy Kennedy Kennedy's like the freaking Virgin Islands, somewhere with a beach and like good-looking ladies and snorkeling to get his guys just chilling, rumming together, broing out, talking about threes, and maybe, maybe agreeing to like one more drink and we'll practice free throws next week. That's my theory, and um, we need to get we need to get Bianco taking the. Tanking them somewhere, you know? Maybe Yeah, Cuba. Bianco's wound up tired of the Dick's Hats fan. I mean, out of all three of those coaches, he is wound up tight. He's like the Peyton. He's like Peyton Manning, just like a spring. <laughs> yeah, but I, I think Bianco needs to take his team to Boston on a yearly basis. That's like, you know, you might be kind of blunt and tight. Tight, you got uptight New Englanders. No, that's, that's not true we, at all. He needs to go to the Dominican and recruit players and somehow get them. That's what ACTs. I've been saying. Yes. Well, go I mean, get now international players from the from the from the South America to come play for us. Cubans are allowed to come here now, so I mean, that's I mean that's that's that's, that's the obvious. Yeah, that's the obvious place to look, right? Our bag men will take care of them. Oh, yeah. Um, okay, so last thing before we go. I mean, well, first of all, I, I don't know if Ole Miss really has a shot against Creighton tonight. They were really hot from three yesterday. But, um, you know, it's good just to get an opportunity to play against a team uh, that's, that's probably definitely going to do well in their conference and go to the tournament. Um, I, I don't feel good about playing a really good three-shooting team considering that even garbage three-shooting teams seem to rain them on us. But uh, we'll find out. Before we end the show, though, I, I think we should all agree, and this should we should have – we mentioned it in the football section, but we should have talked about it more then. Um, Evan Ingram got completely stiffed by the Mackey Award for the best tight end in the country. How the hell is O.J. Howard still getting recognized as a, as a great tight end? Look at his stats. It's ridiculous. Well, I mean, if Ole Miss was in title contention right now, I'm sure Evan Ingram probably would have gotten it. But Sure, but even know. when you're not, even when you're not, I don't understand why statistics aren't a part of that discussion. Evan Ingram is statistically... Does he have a bunch of national writers that don't know Jack about just the whole... They're all the same writers that think that Ole Miss are just a bunch of, like, cheaters paying their players 150 k a year. They, 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 don't, they don't do their research or anything. They're just lazy. Literally all that they say about O.J. Howard is how good he looks getting off the boat. I mean, off the bus. I don't know why I said boat. Getting off the bus. I mean, what what does he do on the field? He played well against Clemson, but that was last season. Hey, shout out to Sinquez. You know, yeah, yeah. Always, always a good time for that. See, my thinking is, um, I used to think the national writers were lazy, like you said, Wes, and, and they would just look at the top stats and write that person but in. They didn't even do that. But um, I was always like, maybe they should like think about what the NFL – views these players at and I'm kind of wondering that they're now trying to predict individual awards based off draft stock because they look dumb when a Heisman winner is a total bust and has to switch positions or something so I I was concerned that this actually might reflect something interesting theory there Neil definitely worth giving some thought to you but it could also be just he doesn't play traditional tight end right right Yeah. tradition is important to sports writers yeah I I don't know. It's still maybe the NCAA controls the media, and they just want to continue to go and get on Ole Miss. Well, I mean, or maybe the media just wants to keep Alabama happy. 
Yeah. Did anybody see uh, the flame war between the Michigan blogger and Godfrey on Saturday night? It was, no, yes, it was, uh, it was fantastic. Well, I mean, I, I can't, I mean, it's exactly what it seems. It was just a Michigan writer uh, asserting that Ole Miss is the dirtiest program in the country. And Godfrey said, um, you know, I, I hope you wake up tomorrow. I hope you're drunk and you wake up tomorrow with a better understanding of how your passion sport works. Um, and, and like most Michigan fans, I mean, this guy just refused to admit that Michigan would ever pay a player, despite the fact that Michigan basketball is on probation for, uh, for paying three players, um, you know, this is what we're dealing with. Yeah, and we talk Michigan, about the national perception of this NCAA thing. A Michigan man has never cheated. I've had a person in Seattle tell me that. They are the virtuous, and they are what manhood in America is supposed to be. I think cold weather makes no, people assholes, John. BYU. You're thinking of BYU. <laughs> the dirtiest team in college football. Also the purest of heart. Um, yes. All right. Well, we've been all over the place this episode. Um, I think we pretty much covered everything, though. We got through everything on my list. Um, obviously stick with us a couple more weeks guys hey maybe just one more week considering uh, Ole Miss could lose this game uh, and we'll move on from, from football all the time and more into our you know basketball program we'll talk about baseball season coming up and all of that um, you know you know how it works we've been doing this for a little while so uh, thanks for listening thanks so much Wesson and Neil for joining us of course John thank you for making time in your schedule to uh, get on and, and talk some of these uh these fun topics we love talking about, like the uh, soul-crushing despair that is being an Ole Miss football fan. Uh, we'll leave it there for now, folks. Uh, of course, you can follow us on Twitter, subscribe on iTunes, all that stuff. But uh, until next week, howdy toddy. We'll talk to you later. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.